And we're back. Second interview since the launch or the relaunch of PodLogic. Uh, the first one went super well with Tyler O'Shea talking about SEO. And today we are with Hector Santi Esteban, host of the show, Marketing Your Podcast. Hector, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, dude. I'm uh, I'm excited. We just, we're like, I don't know. We just spent an episode, we just did an episode recording on my show and now we're here. I feel like I don't know. We should have a ribbon or a star or or a badge or something. I don't know. This should be a, a cool accomplishment. Well, we lucked out by doing your podcast first because we got warmed up. So now we're like in the flow of doing things for my podcast. So uh, definitely go check out Marketing Your Podcast. I think it's a great show. And Hector, the reason I wanted to bring him on was he really hits on something that's not really my area of expertise. When I work with people or the content uh, that I put out is more about like getting started, getting your podcast up and running. Here's what microphone you should use. Here's the camera that you should use. Here's ways to like uh, talk to your guests before you actually interview them. Things like that, sort of like in the weeds things. But you talk a lot about marketing and growth and something when I was cruising your Twitter, because that's how we got connected. You mentioned that relationships are more important than downloads when it determines when it comes to determining the success of your podcast. What do you mean by that? I have one host. We started the show back in May and I don't know, I think we just passed the 3000 download mark. So, you know, we're not breaking any records. We're not, we're not topping any charts, but over those, we're now about 50 episodes in over those 50 episodes, we've had, uh, you know, billionaires, world-renowned authors, Olympic medalists, um, you know, people that would otherwise be, think that those guests would not go on a show that quote-unquote small. And so that's the first part. And the second part is that in addition to that, this host is also, in addition to kind of leveraging it into some great guests, has also turned it into some incredible business opportunities for himself. And so if he would have come in focusing on the fact that you know each episode gets downloaded i don't know 30 40 whatever i guess you know 100 times maybe over the course of its of its lifetime it's not that exciting and so i think that we talked about on my show that managing expectations is so important but i find that the especially early on and and i would imagine that even even as the show grows that those relationships that people can build either with your guests or with your listeners early on are way more valuable than seeing that download number go from 50 to 100 to 200 to, to, to whatever, right? If there's, if there's no real relationships behind those numbers, it's kind of an empty, it's kind of an empty metric, especially in podcasting where you don't see the comments, you don't really see the likes, there's no, there's no face to, to your community necessarily from the podcast app. There are kind of other ways to do that. But Unless you're out seeking and building and creating those relationships, um, they're not gonna they're not gonna be apparent to you, dude. That's a freaking awesome way to put it. I think uh, if you had to put it into one sentence, and this is something that I use a lot, is it's quality over quantity. Whether that is the types of guests that you're having on or the number of listeners that you have, the quality of and I, and I equate it more to like your audience, the quality of your audience is way more important than the quantity of your audience. And that kind of ties into something that I wanted to talk about next, which is monetization. So if you look at just from a pure number standpoint, and these are going to be extreme cases, not everyone gets to monetize their podcast, it's just the fact of life. If you are selling a $25,000 course, 
or you have Dollar Shave Club breaking down your door wanting to sell you for a $10 CPM, the money difference between those two is is vast. And I would much rather be in the camp of, I have 150 people downloading my podcast and that two of them buy my $25,000 course versus having 2,000 listeners an episode and only getting like 50 bucks from hawking Dollar Shave Club products to them. And monetization is something that you talk about a lot on podcast or on Twitter specifically. I don't know how much you go with it into your podcast, but for my audience, which is people that are early into their podcasting career or want to just learn more about it, in terms of monetization, it's not for everybody. It's not going to happen for everybody. But from your experience, is there any low hanging fruit, maybe like one or two things that the average podcaster can do to either monetize or even just inch them closer to monetization? Yeah, I'd say if you have your own business, I, I'd imagine that a lot of people that listen to the show or that you work with have their own business or they're starting the podcast as a, as a part of their business. I think that that is the the best way, right? That it, I, I put it out. On, it seemed to go do pretty well on Twitter. It seemed to people people seem to re- resonate with it. But that's that. If your product is your podcast, it, it's going to be really hard to monetize that. But if you're podcast is your marketing or is part of your marketing or or it can even be leveraged as part of the sales process the follow-up process it can be used to warm up leads it can be used to close clients like it can really be leveraged in a lot of different ways but if you're using the podcast to sell something else you have a lot more leverage it can be a lot more valuable whereas if in the dollar shape club example if your podcast is the product and that's actually what you're selling well you're actually selling your audience to Dollar Shave Club. And in that regard, that's the the that's where you're getting the the least form of value, in my opinion, both for for you in terms of the dollars that you're making, and also that's the lowest form of value for your listeners because, you know, well, not in not all cases. There are some great products and there's some great sponsors out there. But but you know, I'm of the mind that you can really leverage that relationship to provide a lot more value than selling, you know, pills or whatever you know razors no i i think that's i think that's a great point and that's that's such a like that line is just sticking in my head of if your podcast is your product and not your marketing or make your podcast your marketing not your product i think that's such something that just kind of goes over people's heads they start the podcast going I'm going to sell this show and I'm going to be this huge famous for And then it's like, no, it's so it's such an easier path to quote unquote success of using the podcast as a vehicle to indirectly drive money into your bank account. And that can be done through a dozen different ways. And you went through a few of them. And I, I think that's awesome. Awesome insight. I know that you're really focused on the marketing side and that's really your bread and butter, but I want to push a little bit on something that may not be nearly, maybe it may not be necessarily your area of expertise. So you, uh, you told me beforehand that you're sort of expanding into the whole scope of podcast production, maybe not necessarily just marketing. So give me just some high level thoughts on the importance of production value when it comes to show growth. Well, I think, you know, from our standpoint, we we tend to focus on, we definitely want to make sure that the podcast is sounding well, right? Like that's, you know, there's a, there's a minimum threshold, obviously. I don't know that we are as advanced as, as maybe someone, you know, who's had your level of experience, but, but that is one bucket. But the other bucket that we look at are things like, um, 
you know, content editing. And, and you've, you've touched on a little bit on like, you know, the way that uh, shows flow, right? And removing not only uh, filler words or crutch words, but also, you know, organizing interviews in a way that makes sense and removing, you know, rambling and all, all those kinds of things that make a more concise, you know, easier, accessible, um, you know, podcast. And so those are some of the other things when, it, when we think about production value, you know, that we're incorporating into that. Uh, the other side of it that I think is a little bit missed is some of the the small, the small levers that done consistently well can really help with growth. And these are things like um, show notes, right? We've seen consistently that when we take over a show, one of the, the biggest thing, well, for sure, the, the audio's quality goes up. But one of the biggest and the most drastic changes that we make is that we start doing pretty comprehensive show notes, um, or some, you know, just just well done show notes. And we can talk about what that means if you like. But we just see this small uptick as soon as we take over every single time. And it's just this small bit of growth. And, and the only thing that we can really attribute that to is, is some, you know, is some SEO, right? Because it's not like the, there's any spikes from guest sharing or there's no real spikes. It's just, we start to see this slow, you know, uh, slow growth. And, and so that's kind of what we back at, you know, attributed to. And so those are the kind of the buckets when I think about, um, well, the, you know, there's obviously some parts to you know, having a good interview and, you know, maybe the, the video aspect is a big part of it too, but but when it comes to production value, those are kind of the three main categories that we look at. I love that. Dive deeper into show notes. So, what in your mind? So, we've seen what because show notes are something that are huge that I dive into all the time. So, this is purely for not only for the audience, but this is for my own you know uh, curiosity as well. Is we've seen the standard shit show notes, which are. My name is Host X, and today I interviewed this person, and I copy and pasted their bio from their work website. You get handed those show notes. What is like? What do the Hector Santi Esteban post magic show notes look like? <laughs> Hopefully, they are like that. But we we think about them in two ways, right? The first is is they need to be readable, so that way when someone's not everybody is going to read your show notes. Not not everybody, but. Some people are, and especially new listeners, especially people who they're searching for something, they found your show, and it's a big commitment. It's a, it's a much bigger commitment to listen to a podcast than it is to watch a YouTube video. Because when, when they're watching a YouTube video, oftentimes they're keeping the app open. Most people, or they have it up on their screen, and, and a new video is just one click away. When someone starts a podcast, they put their phone away, they start driving, they go on their jog, they go, they start doing whatever it is their activity. So the switching cost of, 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 of content, right, from episode to episode or video to video, and even the way that the players are formatted right now makes it really difficult. So that, so that person who is, who is looking for something new, you want to give them as many, you know, from your, from your episode art to your, your, you know, your show title. But then the, the last layer that someone is going to kind of do to vet you is, is to read your show notes. And so we want to make that as helpful as possible for them to, you don't need to write a whole blog. You don't, you don't need the whole transcript. I wouldn't encourage that, but we want to have, um, uh, what we do is we have a, a, a summary, right? Like the you know, closest thing would be like a, I liken it to like those fifth grade book reports that you would have to write. They were like one paragraph, summarize the book into five sentences. And it was like, you know, that's, that's kind of how we look at that initial paragraph. And ideally you want to fill that 
and the second, so that's the first part is attracting, you know, new listeners and making it helpful to understand. But the second thing is we want to do is we want to fill up that with as many keywords and search terms that someone may be looking for, because not every platform weights the show notes as high as others for for search but but it's definitely some of them do and so you don't you know you know there are ways to do this wrong where it's just you know just dropping a bunch of keywords in there but you want to make sure that you're including the topics that are in there so that if someone is searching for that stuff that those are included in the paragraph um or or throughout it right so the second part is under the paragraph we have a, a as detailed as possible list of the um the time I've learned recently that not including timestamps um, on the show notes has actually increased listen through um, performance. But we do we do have a, and that's something we're changing like as of like last week. But we would we always have a bulleted list of as many of the topics that we cover, and we do it for YouTube as well because YouTube uses those as chapters, and so we put those timestamps into the YouTube description. But as far as the the podcast, we're just listing you know as many different topics, you know, usually seven to ten different topics that they cover, um, along with all the links and resources and things like that. So. So that's kind of the basis I can talk. Well, let me, let me actually add one more thing. So the links and resources is helpful. I think one other thing that a lot of people miss and especially businesses is the, is what are called backlinks, you know, and, and when you put Google is looking for, um, when they're looking to rank your, your website, they're looking to see how, how many other people are talking about you. And what's really cool about podcasting is podcasting gets distributed to, you know, 16, 15 different, 16 different platforms along with those show notes. So if you can put your website into the show notes, you can actually get your, your website link posted onto those diff 15 different websites. And that's going to tell Google that that website is a little bit more valuable. And so when you do that for every episode, now you can collectively start to build your own website uh, rank as well. And so we try and uh, include as many of those relevant links. Not all of them are going to, you know, juice what's called juicing your domain, but, but that's kind of a, I don't want to call it a ninja tactic, but something that I think also helps over the long term as well. I love that with the show notes I'm in, or with the time codes I'm intrigued. Did you find that people like it increased the consumption rate because people didn't have the ability anymore to jump to only the sections right. they wanted to listen to? Interesting. Okay, that is a, that's a new way of approaching it because I'm huge on the time codes thing because I, I go for it because I want people to only listen to the parts that I listen to. Like, for example, do you know, uh, do you know the Ringer podcast network? I'm not familiar with it. So Bill Simmons. Ryan oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I know Bill Simmons. I didn't know that was his name of his podcast network. But yes. So I know do you Bill know Simmons. Ryan Rosillo, his buddy? Yes. So the Ryan Rosillo podcast. I'm not a big football guy. Love basketball. So if they're doing a basketball topic, I'll listen to that one. But the one topic I listen to on every single episode is their life advice section, and it's time coded out. And I always jump to the life advice section because it's so entertaining. And I think this is not. I do not have firsthand knowledge on this, but. From when I started listening about a year ago to now, they didn't have sponsors for each segment. Now, I think they're seeing in their data that the that the life advice section is getting so much traction over the rest of the episode in terms of consumption that they're getting two, three, four sponsors 
for that segment specifically. So he'll it used to just be like, welcome to Life Advice with Ryan Rossello. Here's our email to send it in. Now it's, here's Welcome to Life Advice presented by Modelo. They'll answer one question and then he'll go, Life Advice is brought to you by Snickers, blah, 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 blah. And so I think that's just kind of an interesting little wrinkle. So it's I'd be curious to follow up in a little bit how that change on your end is affecting things. Because clearly, I mean, more consumption is good. You want people to consume more of the podcast. So it's an interesting approach to it. Well, what you bring up is that, you know, you're, I think you're playing with, with perhaps two hopefully mutually exclusive kind of, you know, data points, which is downloads, right? Almost discoverability and listener finish rate, which is what, what specifically, um, Tracy Hazard, who is the founder of Podetize, and she has, um, you know, she has her own hosting platform. So they're really able to see a lot of that data. And that's what, you know, how, what it did to their number of downloads, I would be curious to see that because that's not something she emphasized. What she was emphasizing was the listen through rate, which at least right now to, to, to kind of for the, for the listeners is like, I don't know that that is as valuable as it is on YouTube. On YouTube, they're really looking for that, you know, that, that pe- people to watch through the whole video on Apple. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're, maybe they're, you know, looking at that follow through rate, but um, that would be something to consider too. Yeah, I totally agree. It is, it is definitely an interesting discussion that that is worthy of, uh, you know, more time dedicated to it. I'm going to wrap it up on one question. Hector, marketing your podcast. You are now put in a position where you can only choose one marketing tactic going forward to promote podcasts. One is word of mouth marketing and two is paid media advertising which one are you choosing and why word of mouth uh it's uh, it's cheaper it's more sustainable and it's more authentic um I, you know before you gave those options i was going to go with guesting or podcast you know utilizing guests and and kind of leveraging other podcast hosts and and kind of going on other shows because i think that that's the best one right and so if you can leverage word of mouth uh, people who are already uh, you know, if someone can put you on or recommend you, then I think that that's going to be the most powerful thing. Hector, this was awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find you online? Plug your podcast. Give them the whole shebang. Yeah, thanks for letting me ramble for probably way longer than most of these episodes are. Um, Twitter at Hector underscore podcast. Uh, if you guys are on LinkedIn, you guys can search me Hector Santhia Esteban. And then the the show is marketing your podcast. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider following the show, subscribe on YouTube, and I'll see you next week.